Hi, Insurgents. Welcome to episode 100 of the podcast. This is a short prologue before the actual episode begins, which I think you're going to find interesting. If you're listening to this in 2021 or early to mid-2022, the podcast will be on pause until sometime in 2022. When we resume, we plan to continue our treatment of every reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels. And if you're new to the podcast or you've been playing hit and miss with the episodes I strongly encourage you to go back to episode one and work your way up to this episode number 100 because each episode builds on the others. Most of the topics mentioned in a given episode are expanded in other episodes. Consequently, questions and even objections are answered within the whole catalog of episodes. Of course, the book Insurgents furnishes the foundation for what we discuss on the podcast. So you want to get a copy of it if you haven't already. The book is in paperback, digital forms, and audio. Each six parts of the book does something very different. So while one part may not grab you, another probably will. One final word before we go to episode 100. If you have benefited from this podcast, it would mean a great deal to us if you gave it five stars on iTunes. This helps new people find it. And if you don't have an Apple phone, I believe you can rate it online. With over 2 million podcasts available today, most Christians have never heard of the Insurgents podcast. So consider paying it forward and let's see the Insurgents spread. Also, while the podcast is on pause, I will continue to write a fresh, unfiltered article every Thursday on my blog, frankviola.org. It's free to subscribe. And there are three bonus resources as a thank you for subscribing. The Christ is All podcast will also continue every other Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Here's episode 100. Enjoy. Welcome to the Insurgents podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast. We are going through every reference of the kingdom in the Gospels, and we are still in what scholars call Q, that is, all the references that are in Matthew and Luke, but not in Mark. And this brings us to Matthew 13, 33. Now, this is going to be surprising, I think, to many of you who are listening. I have come to the conclusion that Whenever we interpret a parable on its surface, the basic meaning that we can derive just from reading it and making some basic conclusions, whenever we apply that surface interpretation, it's usually wrong. Jesus made clear that these parables hide, they veil truth. And we covered this in another episode where he talked about why he gave parables and their purpose and their effect. So the parable we're going to look at today has a meaning that I think will diverge from the traditional understanding, which is a surface understanding 
I'll offer my opinion and, and see what you think, Nikki V. Let's just kind of review here. We're in Matthew 13. Jesus gives the parable of the sower, which we've covered in a previous episode in Mark. And the only thing I want to point out here is that in verse 4, the seed of the kingdom is sown. Some seeds fall along the path and the birds came and devoured them. And Jesus interpreted the parable of the sower. And in verse 19, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So the birds there represent the enemy. All right, that's important. So in verse 24, we have another parable, and this is the parable of the wheat and the tares, which we're not going to get into in this episode. That'll be a later episode because it's not part of Q. But there you have wheat, which represents the children of the kingdom. And then you have the tares, which are sown by the enemy. So here again, you have mixture. You have wheat and tares growing together. All right. That's the prelude to the parable of the mustard seed in verse 31, which we have covered in another episode. And as I pointed out in that episode, the mustard seed is the kingdom. Again, Jesus is always consistent in his parables when it comes to these images and metaphors. So the mustard seed is the kingdom. It's sown in a field. It grows, even though it's the least of all seeds at that time, it grows into a very great tree. So the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And I pointed out, Nick, and I believe this, that the birds there also represent that which comes from the evil one. This is a creature, not part of the tree, right? It didn't come from the seed. It came from another source. And it's using the tree. Now, birds could not nest in a mustard tree, but they could perch in it. They could use it for cover. So as I pointed out, you know, this is a picture of the mixture in the kingdom, just like the wheat and the tares. Well, I believe then, this is all the precursor to the next parable, I believe then that the parable of the leaven follows the same course. So we're in verse 33, Matthew 13. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of a meal till it was all leavened. Okay, classic interpretation. Leaven is the gospel. Look how the gospel is permeating society, just like leaven does. And the whole dough will be full of the gospel. That is the leaven. I don't believe that that's the meaning of this. Again, the superficial interpretations are typically wrong. Notice the woman hides it. There's some stealth going on here. There's concealment, right? She's taken the leaven, which is fermented dough, and she's secretly putting it into the dough. And so as the dough grows, it's leavened. To me, this is a picture of mixture, just like the wheat and the tares, just like the mustard tree attracting the birds. Leaven, virtually always in scripture, is it points to something negative, right? Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of the leaven of Herod, all right? In 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 to 8, Paul says, purge out the old leaven of dishonesty that you might be a new loaf, 
the Old Testament feasts where Jesus is depicted could not have leaven in it. The Passover had to be unleavened. Leaven points to sin and corruption and hypocrisy and dishonesty. Israel had to purge leaven from their homes before the Passover. And they had to eat the unleavened bread. Could not have leaven in it. And this is consistent throughout the whole Bible. The only exception is in a few of the feasts, leaven is used, but in those particular offerings, it does not point to Jesus, who is our unleavened bread. For example, uh, in the Feast of Pentecost, there are two loaves that are made with leaven, and they're put into the oven. Those represent the Jew and the Gentile that are made one body. And Jew and Gentile, we're fallen. We have leaven in us, right? It's not pointing to Jesus. But everywhere else, leaven is something negative. It's corruption. It's hypocrisy. And so I believe just like the birds come into the kingdom and produce mixture in it, I think that the parable of the leaven being hid in the dough speaks of the same thing. Interestingly, the amount of dough that's mentioned, it's it's the equivalent of 50, 60 pounds. And therefore, the bread that she will make from it, it's going to be rather large. It's going to feed 100 to 150 people. And so when I look at the New Testament, I see mixture. I see the pure kingdom of God growing, but then I also see people like Ananias and Sapphira. What is that? That's leaven mm-hmm. hidden in the dough. I see Simon Magus who was baptized. And it turns out he's a leavening element. When you read 1 Corinthians, you have the kingdom of God, a kingdom community being formed, but you also have leaven. And Paul actually says, get rid of the leaven. I think this parable is probably best illuminated by Galatians 5.9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. What's he talking about there? He's talking about those Jewish Christians that came from Jerusalem into Galatia and presented them with a false gospel. And some of the Galatian believers were falling for it. What was happening? They were being leavened. It's mixture. Now, I have some application to make, but it seems to me that just like leaven renders the dough more palatable, It's easier to eat dough that has leaven in it. Goes down smoother, goes down more easily. It's also polluting it, if we take the biblical images seriously. And the whole history of Christianity, if you study its pages, you find this reality that the kingdom of God, the pure kingdom of God is growing, just like a mustard seed, small, obscure, insignificant, unimpressive. It grows up and now you have the birds coming and using it for their own purposes. You have the leaven that's been hidden in it. These are the tares, these are the birds, so to speak. And they are mixing the kingdom with that which is impure. They're mixing the kingdom with that which is not of God. And you see it all throughout the New Testament. I mean, all of Paul's letters, basically, virtually all of them, were addressing an issue of leaven. Some outside forces had come in, either the gospel of libertinism, as in Corinth, or the gospel of legalism, as in Galatians, and both were corrupting 
the kingdom community. And, and I see Jesus here warning, this is going to happen. Don't be surprised. Wheat in tares, birds in the mustard tree, and leaven in the dough. What say you? Yeah, I totally agree. I think the obvious traditional interpretation has missed the mark here. I mean, first of all, in Matthew 13, you've got a series of negative parables here. (laughs) And you went through them. I won't go through them again, but you basically have three in a row. Mm -hmm. And I think we're not used to, to that. I think we're... We're thinking this this is more of a positive parable, but I think you're right. I mean, if we're going to apply consistency to what leaven means everywhere else, I'm not sure why we would flip it around now, especially since he's actually going through a series of negative parables here. It makes sense that this one also is negative because it's the last one in that series. And yeah, I'm, I'm right with you in terms of the leaven's actually negative, and it's talking about it's almost a parable of, of warfare in the sense that he's saying, look, there is going to be a continuous invasion mm-hmm. against the kingdom, big and little, for compromising the quality of it, for allowing and permitting that mixture, for permitting shortcuts, uh, for reserving. You, you brought up Ananias and Sapphira. What were they doing? They could have kept, they could have kept their money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a requirement. But they wanted the credit of having given all without actually having done it. And so there was a mixture there. Mm-hmm. And it was just too soon for there to be that kind of mixture. And the, the, the whole adventure was too new, you know, and the kingdom's unfolding beautifully. And then you have this, this mixture creeping in, and it just cannot be. And so that's dealt with in a very dramatic and severe way. But for ourselves, this is what we're gonna be up against constantly is just allowing a little nudge here and there of something that is other than Christ, something that is less than Christ, being permitted to mix in with this. Um, what, what is the thing that the kingdom of darkness is most terrified of on this planet it's the kingdom of god so if the kingdom can be neutered or compromised in some way then it ceases to be the kingdom of god then it ceases to be the threat to the kingdom of darkness that it would be so and we see this happening directly with jesus in the temptation in the wilderness i mean there was this attempt to circumvent god's path to arrive where Jesus was supposed to arrive. It wasn't a change. I'm gonna he offered him all the kingdoms of the world. He was destined to have all the kingdoms of the world there. It was his destiny. It was just a compromised mixture of a way to get there. And thankfully, of course, our Lord rejected every bit of leaven that he was offered to uh, to compromise with and he um, he held held it all the way to the end, held the standard all the way to the end. But yeah, we're, we're talking about sin, hypocrisy, mixture, coming in. The parable before that is wheat and tares. So things are happening side by side. And there's discernment required. I, I think that's one of the other things that the Lord is saying to us in these parables is we can't tell everything, can't tell who's a tear and who's a wheat right away. It becomes evident later. Um, and the same thing with the leaven. Have your radar on. 
you may not see it right away. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira got away with that for a short period of time, and then, you know, Peter confronts them. So eventually the radar comes up. Paul eventually writes a letter mm -hmm. to deal with the leaven that is emerging in the church in Corinth. So, you know, there are people that have their radars on. How do you avoid the, um, how do you avoid the mixture? Well, there are things like this forsaking all be ye separate embracing the cross that jesus has called you to carry pick up your cross and follow me these are the ways around the leaven being permitted to come into your life we're all going to be continuously offered leaven it's going to come in many shapes forms sizes people enticements whatever and there's going to be some type of a of an offer of an enticement that involves you rejecting the lordship of Jesus in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I think the other thing here is, again, we've talked about this on previous episodes. I can't battle all this on my own. <laughs> yeah. uh, part of part of the secret to rejecting the leaven is there's a corporate aspect to this also i can't see everything i don't know everything i rely on my brothers and my sisters in christ to identify some of these things as they you know come to our doorsteps it's interesting too the location of these three parables uh, all of which point to mixture in this age and separation in the next particularly the wheat and the tares but in chapter 12, before he opens up these parables, he's upbraiding the religious leaders. You have in chapter 12, verse 46 on, the true family of Jesus, opposed to those who say they're his family. You have his statement about slandering against God's spirit. You have the statement about the two kinds of trees, the good tree and the bad tree. And so if you read chapter 12, you really see mixture there. And then these parables come right after it. Now, here's the thing that really solidifies this for me. We know Paul was familiar with the earthly ministry of Jesus through Peter, James, John. He spent a couple weeks with one of them and I'm sure they did a download <laughs> uh, by, telling, by telling Paul many of the stories, many of the parables, many of the things he did. We see little glimpses of it in the epistles. Paul's familiar with it. Now, where do you think Paul gets this statement in Galatians 5.9? This is from the Christian Standard Bible. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. That's Paul in Galatians 5.9. Let me read the parable of Jesus. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened, till all the dough was leavened. Now, to me, this is a clear signaling of what Jesus was talking about. And of course, Paul's applying it to the message that came from professing Christians from Jerusalem that had invaded and were corrupting the Galatian believers who were part of that kingdom community. It was a clear fulfillment of that parable. 
They were coming in stealthily. They were saying, we live with the apostles. We're from Jerusalem, you know, and the apostles trained under Jesus. They were mentored by Jesus himself, and we live with them. And then, of course, they trashed Paul, and they were bringing in leaven. So to me, this interpretation fits much better than the more simplistic, superficial ones. Now, I do want to say a word about how this can apply. And this is where I find it encouraging. I'll give you two examples. I know a young man. He is not following Jesus. He's not in the kingdom of God. But he started attending a youth group in his youth many years ago. And he was really captured by the gospel message and captured by the person of Jesus. But in that youth group, he received injuries and disillusionment from which he never recovered. A lot of the young people there in that group were living carnally. Some of them were just using the youth group as a pickup joint. Some of them were developing cliques. And he received a lot of mistreatment, you know, backstabbing, backtalking, gossip. And here he's trying to learn more about Jesus and more about the Lord. And he ended up concluding that this just can't be real. This is not what I want to be involved with. Well, to me, that is an example of leaven, leavening the whole dough. And we won't get into talking about you know, his response to that. That's another conversation. But if he knew what this parable meant, I think it would have helped him a lot because he would have said, you know what? Jesus predicted this. He said this would happen. There is going to be mixture in the Christian faith in those who claim to be part of the kingdom. There's going to be wheat and tares growing together. This should not surprise me. Another example is uh, I know a gentleman was an atheist, came to Christ, and basically seemingly forsook all and followed Jesus hard and sacrificed for him and sacrificed for uh, an expression of the kingdom of God as he understood it and lived that way for many years, I think over a decade. And then got hurt in that fellowship, was mistreated, saw leaven, saw corruption, saw hypocrisy, uh, saw carnality, and he began to rationalize this line of thinking that if Jesus really was who he said he was, if he really was the Son of God, what he set out to start after 2,000 years, he hasn't even gotten it right. You know, Christendom is just a mess. It's warring factions. It's so watered down. It's so full of mixture. And so he ended up becoming an atheist again because he basically said Jesus failed in his mission. You know, what we read about in the New Testament regarding the kingdom of God and what kingdom communities should be, where is it? And again, I believe if he understood what I believe Jesus is saying in this parable, it wouldn't have caught him off guard. He would have been warned, and he would have just said, well, it's just like a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. Mm -hmm. Jesus said it would happen. I was warned ahead of time. This is not shocking. What do you say? Yeah, that's great. I, I do. I totally agree with you because you see some people just getting worn out and exhausted out of the faith because they are witnessing, they may not even be able to articulate that they're witnessing mixture, right? But they are, and it's wearing, 
and it's disappointing and it's a whole lot of uh, discouraging. It's a lot of things. And so you see enough of this. It could either be in your own personal life or it could yeah. be in a corporate existence and you get discouraged to the point where you arrive at the kind of conclusion that uh, are the two stories that you just told when knowing ahead of time that Jesus said this is going to happen you can arm yourself you know mentally you can steal your mind uh, and your heart for that kind of a thing occurring so you're not so terribly discouraged when it happens or you're you know to the point that your faith is destroyed um, as you were talking I was thinking about this you know the seven churches in Revelation right they get addressed directly by the Lord Jesus himself mm -hmm. but Here's the interesting thing. Two of those churches don't have mixture. They're in good shape. Mm. And they get a good report mm -hmm. from the Lord and some encouragement because they are taking a beating. Mm -hmm. And then two others are not mixture either. They got nothing good going on. They're mm. totally mm. messed up. So that's four of the seven churches. But then the other three actually are what we're talking about in this parable. So here's the Lord's parable even before the close of the New Testament, we're seeing this. And a lot of times we get, you know, very uh, rose-colored glasses and googly-eyed about the first century church and thinking that it was perfect on so many levels and we'd like to live in the first century church and all this. But here we are talking about the first century church. You got two churches doing well. You got two churches that aren't even a mixture. They're just doing horrifically bad. And then you got three that are a mixture. And, and what does a mixture sound like? What does mixture look like uh, as the Lord Jesus is addressing it? So let me just go through these three. So first you got Ephesus where the Lord says, I know your works, I know your labor, your patience, how you cannot bear those who are evil, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. That's all good stuff. And that you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. That's a lot of good stuff. Here's a mixture word from the Lord. Nevertheless. Mm -hmm. So if the Lord says nevertheless, mm -hmm. you're dealing with mixture. I have this against you that you have left your first love. And then he gives them the solution to that. So that's a mixture. The false apostles are not good. That's mixture. Here's another mixture with the church in, um, in Pergamos. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and have not denied my faith, even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. So all good stuff, but here's mixture. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine, doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. And then he tells them to repent. There's mixture. And then Thyatira, to the church in Thyatira. These things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, service, faith, and your patience. And as to your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and beguile my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And again, then he gives, you know, he gives them the way out. So you've got mixture there in three churches, uh, first century churches established by capital A apostles and, uh, and they're protege 
And it doesn't matter. The Lord told us in the parables that there was going to be mixture attempting, leaven attempting to enter into the situation and bring a compromise there. And it's not okay. Those churches had tremendously positive things said about them. But the kingdom of God cannot tolerate leaven. It's not a part of the kingdom of God. Does that mean it won't come? No, that's not what it means. And the Lord gives a way out always. Repent is one of those ways out. Uh, turn to the Lord. So I really I really feel like this is, at first, it's such a short, small parable. You're thinking it's not really that significant. But I feel like what we touched on here in this episode actually is extremely important for believers to be armed and this is what the lord was doing he was saying hey this is going to happen guys you know it's going to come the mixture is going to come be alert to it be aware of it and that that applies not just on a church level i mean these are all being addressed corporately we we have the same issue in our own personal life as well throw ourselves on his mercy yeah it's sobering and i like that he said in the parable of the wheat and the tares and this will be for another episode, but you know, don't uproot the tares. You may uproot some wheat. Yeah. So we just have to be careful with making judgments. It's one thing to make a judgment internally. Okay, I don't want to go down this road. It's another thing to say, oh, that's a tear. That person's full of leaven, you see. And so there's that spirit of ultra-criticism that also can get us into trouble. And the Pharisees were masters at that. I mean, mm-hmm. they accused Jesus of being leaven, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So all these things have to be handled in tension. And um, But I, I just find encouragement in this because when I look at church history, when I read the pages of church history, you could look at it and just get so discouraged right. and come up <clears throat> with some really horrible conclusions that are miserable or you can say hey Jesus predicted this it's being fulfilled Mm -hmm. it has been fulfilled instead of pointing the fingers at other people notice we've not mentioned anybody's name or any denominations or any groups we look to the Lord to keep us on that narrow path yeah that's good and connection to that even in in those addressing the seven churches in Revelation wasn't so much throw the rascals out as it was don't let your garments become soiled don't walk down this path at the others there are a few who have abstained from soiling you know like that's right the the idea here is is that i'm not going to embrace the compromise that others Mm -hmm. are embracing Um, and the lord will take care of it's his church and if somebody's coming in and doing what they're doing he took care of Ananias and Sapphira, you know. So there's that aspect of, yeah, I just, I need, to, I need to be faithful to what I've seen. And I can't use others. There was a little pamphlet that circulated many, many years ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. It was called Others May, I May Not. And it's really a, a beautiful little pamphlet, a kind of what we're talking about right now, that people, for whatever reason, may have a liberty or they may be <laughs> engaged in the flesh or whatever. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like they're getting to do, if the Spirit of the Lord is not permitting you to go that way, then that's what you thats what you hearken to. That's what you heed, not what you see going on around you. And that's, that's a lot easier said than done. 
We have this podcast to encourage one another, to lock arms together, to, to raise one another's weary hands as we enter the kingdom together ultimately, not just as an individual solo Christian. So on that note, we will end it, and we will see you next time. God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.